It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. City of Chronicles is a Mia Chronicles production. Welcome to another episode of the Seria Chronicles podcast. I'm your host for today. I'm Mina Rizuki. And as always, I'm joined by the wonderful Nikki Bandini. You'll be surprised to hear that um, I didn't pass out after Juventus's loss to Maccabi Haifa. I'm still <laughs> alive. Um, yes, I didn't speak to anyone the day after and I've been trying really hard to like put on a brave face. But you know what? <laughs> do, you, do you do this, Nikki, when you support a team? But do you go to self-soothing? mode where you watch something really bad because you know you are an Arsenal fan not this year oh, you're yeah. flying <laughs> but like this year I was saying to myself it's okay you don't have to support them you can change teams <laughs> you can you can start supporting another side and it's like this way of trying to get yourself through the game when you're watching something and then at the end you wake up the next day and you're like screw you we're still gonna win the league <laughs> like, I, mean, I don't know if this happens to you or not <laughs> I don't know but look I'm I'm definitely one of those who's like no, you know, once you've made your bed as a fan, you lie in it. And whatever reason, just family reasons, we are in the Arsenal bed and, and that's where I'm going to stay. Having said that, just being totally honest about it, there have been times in recent seasons with Arsenal where I felt like the ending of where the season's going is so inevitable that I just don't feel motivated to actually watch the games and I don't report on Arsenal games. So like mm. my motivation to spend extra time watching them is I just don't end up watching them. Whereas now they're an exciting team again. Yes, of course, I'm going to spend my free time making sure I watch the full 90 minutes because they're really fun to watch. So I, I definitely do a bit of that, which is a bit of fair weather. I'll admit that much. But um, I don't know if I ever abandoned them altogether. I think what I would say more is, I think there have definitely been times in the last couple of years, Mina, if I'm being uh, totally uh, truthful about it, where if it's a choice between watching an Arsenal game of an evening where I thought this is going to be crap and we're not going to enjoy it or watching an episode of um, Below Deck because I'm knackered. I might have picked Below, Below Deck a couple of times. <laughs> is, that your, is that your go-to guilty pleasure? It, I've binged all of it now, but yes, it was for a while. 
You know, I've never watched it. I mind is like <gasps> selling whatever, like Sunset Ursi, whatever's on Netflix. Oh, selling Sunset. I do like selling yeah. Sunset. I love that. It makes it makes me feel like I'm just totally away from this like European life, you know, and then just mm-hmm. somewhere up there with, I don't know, just people that really like property. But, um, <laughs> but it, it, for me, it's just the only way that I can get through like a game because I'll get, otherwise I'm really scared that I'll get into depression. So I just like, mm-hmm. it's like Italy, yeah, when you when was won the World Cup. I, I always say, it's okay. It's just one year. Like, you know, it depends how you self-soothe. You know, it's fine. It's just one World Cup. Everyone misses a World Cup. And Holland did too, so it's fine, you know. And then like when it's the second World Cup, you're like, okay, I, this is really hard now, uh-huh. you know. But of course, I remain a Juve fan. And yet they're not the team that I want to start to talk about. Let's talk about happier stuff. Napoli, it's interesting because I was writing about Napoli in their th- in the in the third group game against Ajax. So not this last one, the one before. And I was talking about the fact that they just look like a side that's just wow, it's just incredible. They're breathless. They they average three goals a game. They're like stunning to watch. They always look in control. They're such a happy team. And everyone was like, you know, mark this tweet, save this tweet. They always start off well and then they fall off. And I'm always somebody who writes that, right? Like you and I, like we started this podcast by saying we don't even imagine Napoli to be in top four because they lost so much experience. Mm -hmm. We felt like, you know, this is a side that always can be bullied, mentally fragile, start well, fall off, blah, de blah, de blah. And this time around, I don't think that's going to happen. This time around, this is a side that like, is not just in control, but that can change faces, that can adapt, that's flexible, that's happy, that's happy, happy being the main point. And I really genuinely feel that right now, like barring Manchester City, even though they lost over the weekend, there's no team right now that I think is as beautiful and as exciting to watch as Napoli. And I will genuinely, even though I'm not a Napoli fan, but I will genuinely be disappointed if they don't at least reach the semifinals of the Champions League and freaking win the league right now because Serie A is not of a great quality. And honestly speaking, Europe right now doesn't have great quality. And so this is a side that should really know how to exploit its opportunities. And I feel safe for the first time in saying, I think they can do it. Yeah. I I know people love it when we admit that we're wrong. And I, I think... <laughs> I've had plenty of wrong takes in my career, but I do think that thinking that this Napoli would finish outside the top four is going to turn out to be one of the most wrong because I'm with you. I don't believe there's going to be a drop-off. I think this team is, for me, already... For me, it's now the clear Napoli are the clear favourite to win the Scudetto. I know you're not supposed to say that in in October and things will change over the course of the season. Things will happen that surprises. Things will... will there'll be twists and turns along the way. And maybe... What I'm about to say is is offset by the possibility of, oh, hey, what if Kratzgetti gets injured or something, you know? And and of course, there's also a World Cup in the middle of the season, which is going to change all sorts of things. Players are going to go away and get injured. Players, players are going to come back in different form. Things are going to happen in that World Cup. But I just think what I can't move past with this team every week is the depth. And I think this week was one of those weeks that really proved it because we've had a month or so without Victor Osman. Now, remember everybody, last season, Victor Osman gets injured against Inter. Napoli at top of the league and that was their first loss of the season was the game he gets injured in. He's away for two months. When he comes back, they've lost three more games. They lost one game with him and it was one where he got injured. Comes back and they've lost three more times and they're six points off the lead. In fact, I think they're six points and Inter have a game in hand as well when he comes back. So it's 
It's a vast difference when he's there and when he's not. This season, he comes back and it's like, don't get me wrong, Victor Osman's come back. He scored twice in two games, but you feel right away like, is he going to be first choice? Is Are we going to see Raspadori keep that, that number nine spot and Osman uses the change up? It's that, it's that dramatic of a shift in, in, in the, the depth of this team. No one is saying that Victor Osman isn't brilliant because he is. And no one's saying that he's not got lots of contribution to this team because he does. He did it again twice this week. But I do think Spalletti in his absence has, has created a, a whole different mode for this team where Raspadori is, he's a false nine, really. He's not a number nine. He's a false nine. And when you look at how the team operates, he's so all over the pitch. He's so deep. He's so wide. He's so, occupying different spaces. And that in turn makes those spaces that Kvaratskhelia attacks, that Lozano, who's come back out of nowhere, attacks, that Politano even, and then the players from midfield, of course, pushing on like Jelinski, Labotka, Anguissa, Anguissa, who never used to score and has scored three times this season. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, probably there will be some sort of mixing up. Spalletti, I love Spalletti's, sometimes Spalletti when he's bullish just makes me want to laugh a lot. <laughs> and in, in, in the pre-game press conference before this game, where one journalist was asking him like, oh, is it going to be difficult managing these different players? Now you've got all these different options in front, up front. And he just went, no, managing the attack is easy. And I just thought, I love the sort of way you've put that. Just like, no, it's easy. Don't be stupid. I've got these brilliant attackers. I'm going to do brilliant things with them. And, you know, I, it's a long season again. Things will happen. Players will get hurt. Different games will happen. Form will come and go. But I, I loved that after all that, you know, oh, I wonder how this is going to work. Victor Osman comes out after the game, gets asked about Raspadori and he goes, I adore Raspadori. He's someone who I loved even when he was at Sassuolo. I'm so happy he's here. We get on great and I want great things for him. And you just thought, wow, like this is <laughs> genuinely one of those sort of good vibes things at the moment where I'm not worried about it at all. And I understand why Spalletti isn't. You're right. Um, and, and I feel like what is a, a really important point that you made there was that there were sort of points that they relied on. Um, Napoli have always relied on certain points of Dries Mertens to rescue them. Mm-hmm. Osserman, they with him in the field last season, they managed 2.26 points per game. Without him, that dropped to 1.7. And that was how important he was for a win when it came to Napoli games. He was important. But last year, and we talked about this a lot, about his importance for the team, as well as Anguissa's, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that they changed the mentality. With them on the field, there was more ambition, more determination, more of a desire to prove themselves on the field. Because we know that Napoli can be bullied. They can wilt um, in the face of like very strong teams, you know, um, teams that want to sort of take them on physically. And and the fact of the matter is, is that changed with both of them on the field. They were just a, a breath of fresh air. And yet there were times, and I'm not going to lie, where it didn't look like they were all that happy. And I think this is the point that, that is really important of what you're mentioning as well is, is there's a different level of happiness. You know, all we ever read mm-hmm. about the time was, you know. I think I feel the Juventus players that I heard speaking, and I think Allegri said similar after the game, were, were right in the, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We've won a game. <laughs> We've had a really rough time recently. Let's take it one step at a time. And I think that's the right way they've got to be. They need to be humble about it because this was a low week. I mean, I, I appreciate because we, we do these podcasts once a week. We didn't have a chance to speak right after Maccabi together. And 
it was bad. It was it was really bad. And I, I always sort of feel slightly uncomfortable with these games where you're talking about a team, because there's two teams in the game, right? And for Maccabi, that was a historic night, their first Champions League group win in, is it ever or a long time? I'm sorry, I can't remember. In any case, my feeling on that was they did play well, but also would they have beaten either of the other two teams in this group playing this well? No, they wouldn't have. And, and that comes back to events again. And I think what you said about the tackling, it's not just a, a fan thing or like a, a, a perception thing. Um, it's, it's feels to me as, as someone who's, who's not a fan, like it's actually really abstract and important. Like Juventus haven't got no bite. And I go back to the game against Monza, uh, sorry, not against Monza, against Milan, when Bonucci just lets Brian Diaz go past him. You think Bonucci, like of everyone, like you're the old head here. You know what's going on. Foul him. Just just foul him. And actually, of course, Torino, we've talked about this with Ivan Juric, are an interesting measure of this because Torino under Ivan Juric have actually been one of the teams that's committed like the most fouls in the whole division. And that has been part of their identity as a football team under Juric. We will be up in your face. We will disrupt play high up the pitch so you can't build play from the back. Yes, we're going to give away a lot of free kicks. We're going to try to be very cute about knowing when and where to do those fouls so that we don't give away too many yellow cards and don't get everyone sent off. But we're going to be really, really physical and aggressive. And so I'm certainly not, as I just said, in the camp of, oh, they've won and everything's fixed. But this was a, an important measuring stick was, can you, can you play in a physical game and do it? And they've shown that they can. Now the question is, why weren't you doing it before? And what would it take to get a physical performance out of you every game? And even that won't fix everything. Because to me, the creation still isn't there. You mentioned it, Mina. Like it wasn't like they were generating a hundred shots in this game. But start from there. And if you can at least be that Juventus, then I think you can do something. And I I think there was sort of some encouraging individual performances within this and, and in that sort of seeing that mentality. I I, I think Actually, the, the midfield, Locatelli, Rab, Rabio, much maligned Rabio, did their part. I thought Danilo had a good game. Bremer as well, playing at Soul Club. One notable absentee from this 11, Mina, was Bonucci. And Bonucci reportedly has been asking for a transfer. That's been sort of put out in the last day. How do you sort of feel about that? And do you think it's a credible report, this, this report that Bonucci's looking to get out? What I find weird is that he hasn't come out to talk about it because that is a very Bonucci thing to do, you know, to come out and say no. He had written a letter to the fans to apologize for their performance against Maccabi Haifa. And his report with Allegri, which I know is something that's talked about because it was never great, it is slowly improving. And I, Allegri felt like he has taken a lot of the the losses almost personally and and he said that he said you know he's really been suffering so I didn't want to play him straight away it seems like you know on brand for for Bonucci to jump jump ship when things are going wrong which is what happened the first time around, <laughs> right when he left for Milan but I genuinely don't believe like he would do that again I don't think he's very happy I don't think very many players are happy I'll be honest with you and I think um why there are certain levels like Vlaovic performed very well, Kostic performed very well, Milinkovic Savage performed very well to Torino as well. And that, that had to do with the fact that their coach from the national team was there. And I hope it wasn't just for them. But what I liked so much, and here's the thing, I don't care if Vlaovic scores goals. Frankly speaking, if he doesn't score a goal again, I'm all right with it. Weirdly enough, that's not what I care about. 
I care about the fact that when Keen missed a huge opportunity and I wanted to punch him in the face, yeah, <laughs> Vlaovic actually went over and consoled him. And I would like that. I want to see a team that is a team that is happy for one another, that doesn't shout at one another or berate one another, but is there for each other. And I thought that that was very important from him to show that side, you know, to show that he is a leader up front. I thought that he was in getting involved in the game. His movement was better. He was trying to play in Costage a lot. But I thought Verona were very good. And what's annoying me about Milan is that it kind of just seems like it's kamikaze chaos football, but without like a lot of sophistication. And I just feel like if they, it, they are flexible tactically, the players are warriors in every stage, they can play without so many of their, without their starters, so many of them. And yeah, I look at this team and I kind of think that it's, it's just hard more than it is genuine brilliance. And I know that's quite hard to look at, but even if you saw them against Chelsea, it's like the gaps between the centre-backs, the, the amount of pressure and that they put on the centre-backs that don't get exposed enough in Serie A because the quality is low. Like this team against a good, good side, and we saw that against Chelsea, who aren't a very good side, but seem to have been all of a sudden made to look like one, is going to fall. And I don't, you know, don't talk to me about like red cards and all of this, you know, at the end of the day, you can say that they've been hard done by and they're right to feel hard done by. But at the end of the day, it was a red card and that's just the way it is. That's the rules, you know. But it's kind of like this kind of game where I don't, they're missing a lot in their midfield. And I just look at the fact that Kessie's absence has never, ever been like talked about enough. And I just don't understand why they haven't bought another body there. Who is filling the gaps for them? Teo bombs forward, right? Then you've got Tomori sometimes trying to bond forward too. You've got a whole team that's looking for a goal that just keeps massive gaps at the back. And it, it makes me uncomfortable to watch it. It's almost like it's, it's annoying to watch it. And, and I, I just feel like there's nobody there that, that, that sort of, you know, moves in the way that great midfields do, right? Even though they, they have Benacer and Tonai who are great, they're just not enough. They need greater density in that midfield. You can't just all be an attack to cover up the fact that you're still all leaning on Leao, you know? And and you say is Giroud enough, but is the midfield enough? I, I, I just think I, I want another. There's so much there. That I just feel like a really good team would totally exploit. And I sort of don't understand why. Inter, for example, is a good team, couldn't exploit that properly. And and I feel like that's why they will reach far, but I'm not entirely sure that they will reach far and I'll look at them and be like, yeah, this is this is a strong Milan. I feel like last year they were, for me, better to watch. Yeah, I, th- I think Milan so far don't look as good as they did last season. That's just, that's just true. And and we've talked about individuals before, like, you know, Fikayo Tamori is not playing as well as he did last season. He just isn't. And yeah, I think it's a real shame that we didn't get to see 11 on 11 against Chelsea at, at San Siro because I think you would have seen a different football game. But the reason it wasn't 11 versus 11 is because he got caught out of position and committed a foul and got sent off. Like that's the reality. Do you really, think, was a red... do you really think it would have been that much different that they might have won? Yeah, I think it would have been a completely different game. Whether or not they would have whether or not they, they would have won, no idea. They might still have lost. But I think it was it was inevitably a completely different game. When you play, for, when you play on 10 versus 11 for that long, because it was early as well, it was what? It was 70, no, 65 minutes on 10 men. Yeah, 65 minutes. That, that's a big difference physically by the end of the game. And also when you're chasing the game, it's a different game. Because of course, it's, it's not just you're going down to 10 men, but you're trailing after that penalty goes in. 
They're basically uh, all but through to the Champions League last 16, thanks to a superb performance against Barcelona. That was a game where all defences flew out the window, um, especially at the end. And a game in which Lautaro Martinez, you know, got back to scoring ways. I don't know whether Inter are back-back, because they obviously then defeated Salernitana. But they are certainly a team that have taken a huge step forward in terms of mentality and the way that they're thinking. You really do feel like they looked each other in the eye, like they like to write about and um, and have figured out where their problems are, are playing more for one another. But I just, I also feel like it makes a difference when Inzaghi plays without fear and is choosing not Gagliardini in midfield. <laughs> Does that make sense? But just playing with a lot more of like less anxiety and more courage and more belief in his players. And I think that's transmitted to the team in a way that, for example, you know, you didn't see from Salernitana, you know, and I think that's, that's the difference. It's just that right now he's playing with courage. That's being translated beautifully. And I just want to say that Nzagi is just 10 times better than what Xavi has managed. Um, I don't care about what happened domestically. This is a guy who knows how to change when the, when the game demands change. And for that, bravo, chapeau. Well, there's another element to this, Mina, which is not just about um, his work, which I, I agree with you on. But there's, there's a thing that I was wondering about and, and, and I, I've heard other people talking about this now and... It's a thorny question to raise because I am a big, big Ooh. Brozovic admirer. I think Brozovic has been so good for such a long time for Inter, often not getting the acknowledgement. But you know who's been really good the last few games, filling his um, boots in that middle of the midfield, playing deeper than he did at Milan? Yeah, Chalanoglu, who's been really good. And I'm I'm curious to know if you think that's part of this this next evolution. Maybe it was... Because there's something in as well, this idea for me that when a manager comes in and takes over a project, which is what Nzagi, of course, did last season, it's really difficult to evolve. Like if it's a successful project, if you're inheriting something successful, it's like, okay, here's this thing that works. Don't break it. Keep it exactly as it was. And of course, you can't keep it exactly as it was because that never works anyway. And then like anything you change is, is difficult. But now with Brozovic being injured, there's been like an enforced change, but maybe this ends up being the moment it becomes more in Zaggy. I don't know. What do you think? The thing with Brozovic is that he's consistently good, right? He barely gets he a yellow card. And he it performs at a high level in nearly every single match he plays. So you never feel like you're on a on an emotional train ride with him where one day it's going to be bad and one day it's going to be like explosively good, you know, which is something I, for example, I feel with Leao as an attacking player. Mm. Like, I don't know what to expect from him sometimes, although now he's been a little bit more consistent. But Chalanoglu is one that I don't know if I can trust fully with my midfield. I would still prefer to have Brozovic there because I can lean on Brozovic and I know he will provide me with anything. But when Chalanoglu plays to his potential, because we know he has that, he's fantastic to watch. Become a member at patreon.com forward slash Serie Chronicles for regular bonus episodes and content. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.